0: Listening to the 30 Podcast. Here's your
1: host, Jazz Kang.
0: All right, welcome to another episode of the 30 Podcast. Brought to you, of course, by the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. We are there. And of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com, would you? We have you covered for news, opinions, stats, analysis. Uh, the site's been updated with all this crazy stuff going on throughout the NBA offseason. We're recording this on a Monday night. Uh, quite a few things happened, actually, earlier in the day. The Lakers look like they're finally filling out their roster. We're going to get into all that, but also some news, potentially, on a starting lineup. On with me today to talk about all that and more from Sportsnet
1: 650 in Vancouver, Marcus Fitzgerald. Marcus, what's going on, my man? I'm doing so well, Jazz. It's beautiful in Vancouver, and it's beautiful that the Lakers have more than four guys in their roster. It's a great time to be alive.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that, that uh, weekend, we, we kind of knew that once, once Kawhi made the decision it was either if he was with the Lakers, they were going to have a crazy amount of signings coming in. If he didn't sign with the Lakers, they were going to have a crazy amount of signings coming in. So we knew we had to wait for Kawhi in order to get, uh, in order to get this kind of what we saw happening with all the flurry over the weekend.
1: Well, hey, listen, man, I'm just happy that uh, Rob Palenka definitely had a plan B in place because everything kind of filtered down after that. I, with everything that happened with Rob Palenka over the last couple of months, I had this vision of him go, oh, we didn't get Kawhi? Oh, no. Oh, my God. And then they'd be totally scrambling for three months before the start of the season. So I'm really glad that they at least have a stanton at plan B. And, and it actually looks OK when you actually look at the roster. So from that standpoint, no, I mean, Kawhi would have been great, but this actually looks OK. And I think we can roll with this for the next couple of months.
0: Yeah, I, I was con- concerned that he was going to completely pigeonhole himself. What it seems like he kind of had a backup plan this time, right, where he was like he told some of these guys like Danny Green, sat around and waited for, for Kawhi, understandably, but they were probably in touch with him beforehand and said, all right, look, you know, uh, if, if Kawhi does go, this is going to be our offer, but just give us a couple of, uh, you know, give, it, give us a week or so, let this thing fall through, and then we'll figure it out then. And I, I, I do believe that was one good thing that Palenka did, was able to, to make sure that there wasn't just, they weren't left with scraps. Like last year, they didn't come back with, uh, you know, Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley, and all these other guys that couldn't do much, and and they were kind of washed at that point. Although, if you did read the reports, the Lakers, one of the few teams that was in Vegas checking out Amare Stoudemire and Monte Ellis working out, No, it's (laughs) it's not 2012 anymore. I don't know what Amare has left, although he was a beast before his knee injuries, but I I don't want to see any of that happening.
1: (laughs) Well, I, I think Monte could probably give you a little bit more fluid you know, movement offensively than say Rajon Rondo because Monte have it all back in 2012. I don't know what he looks like now in 2019, but again, getting back to Palinka and having a plan B, and not only that, Jazz, but also learning from mistakes because last year was dominated by the narrative of holy crap, LeBron needs shooters, and, and none of these guys can shoot no matter what Magic wanted to tell us. At least it looks as though Rob Palinka has taken last year's mistake. And learn from it a little bit, even if Rajon Rondo is back in the fold and Javale is back in the fold, but now with Anthony Davis and Boogie in there, Javale doesn't have to play 35 minutes and exhaust himself by uh, by January. So I, I think Palinka has taken the lessons of a year ago and actually used them and actually turned them around because the Ross and I know it's it's July the eighth. Okay, by October 29th, we could be freaking out. But on July the 8th, the roster looks pretty good. And i like to think that Rob Palenka has learned from his mistakes. And that's a good thing because you don't want a stubborn guy. Because then we'd be in the same as we were here.
0: If you didn't see it earlier, Chris Carter. Uh, this feels so weird talking about Chris Carter talking about the NBA. But whatever. Cool, man. You know <laughs> what I mean? You want to be an insider and you want to get in on that stuff. Great. Uh, Chris Carter, NFL Hall of Famer, former Minnesota Vikings. Great. Uh, he's now on Fox Sports. He said that, that Kawhi wasn't happy with the way Magic was was leaking some stuff out about the meeting that they had. I don't know how much that played into it. To me, Kawhi was using the Lakers almost as like a way to leverage himself to figure out how to get to the Clippers. And, and we're both Canadian. And so we know, and I, even I, I watch what was happening with the Raptors, I'm like, the longer this goes on, he ain't going back to Toronto. And yeah. I, I know there was rumors that, oh, you know, if they got Paul George, he would have considered it. I, I just, I think he knew the Clippers were where he wanted to be. Yeah, it doesn't make Magic look good because, let's be honest, since he left, that whole entire friggin' organization has turned around without Magic Johnson. I'm not going to say he wasn't great on the court. He's done a lot of good things off the court, although it's easy if you're a multimillionaire and you're one of the best of all time to play in the NBA. It's not hard to be a successful businessman because everybody wants to jump in with you.
1: Well, one of the keys to being a successful businessman is getting your name out there and getting buzz out there and... Magic Johnson and having conversations with Kawhi. Oh, guess what? Magically, some of the information from that conversation leaked. And maybe Kawhi's camp didn't like that. That's Magic the businessman. That's not Magic acting as the president of a basketball team, which he is not anymore. And he recognized that he's not comfortable in that role. Now he can be the ambassador again. The problem is he's still looking stuff out there. However... And I'll say this for the people in Canada as well. When Kawhi came back to Toronto on that uh, MLSE private plane, the group that owns the, the Raptors and the Maple Leafs and Toronto FC and all that, everybody here said, well, why would Kawhi fly back to Toronto to tell them no? Why would he do that? He must be staying. And I looked at them and said, no, you idiots, come on. Why, you know, he, he's going to fly back to meet with Basai Jiri to A, see what's up, and probably say to him face-to-face, hey, look, thank you so much. I had a nice time here. I'm glad you won the Larry LB. I'm glad you have championship rings, but I'd really like to go home. That's a respectful thing for Kawhi to do. That was always my thought. So it didn't surprise me at all when the news broke on Friday night that he wasn't re-upping with the Raptors. So that was kind of the sentiment in Canada. Uh, the Magic and Kawhi, it's pretty clear that Kawhi didn't really want the the Lakers at all. We we mentioned moving the meetings around from place to place so that he could secretly deal with the Clippers at the same time. I was actually thinking about this when I was in the car today. Everybody likes to use the rap lyric, Real G's moving silence, like he's uh, Lasagna, Low Wayne. Kawhi actually embodies that. He doesn't, he doesn't just use it in a Twitter bio like a lot of us do. He actually embodies that. Real G's moving silence. That's what Kawhi did. We didn't know anything about Paul George. That's the most impressive thing of all this. Kawhi doesn't speak, and he somehow was able to do all this under a shroud of darkness. No insider had any of this Paul George stuff until it happened. That is astonishing to me. And I think about Kawhi's camp and say, well, we don't want anything to leak. And not only do we not want anything to leak, we're going to move in complete silence and you're not anything. That's what makes Kawhi and his camp so fascinating.
0: Yeah, this whole thing was done in a way that was like a CIA operation or something like that. Like you didn't hear anything. And it it was impressive because we live in a day and age now where, let's be honest, people want to share what they have for breakfast and they want to put it online so everybody can see it. And they want to talk about all these great things that they're doing. They can be like a little bow wow and put up fake pictures of you pretending to go on a private jet when you're sitting <laughs> commercial. We know this stuff, you know, that's what we, and the, the dude just went, went about it silently. I personally don't like the way he's strung along both the Lakers and the Raptors. I'm not saying he shouldn't have taken his time to make the decision, but to me, my perception of it all, and I'm not saying this with any, any source or report is that, he wanted to find a way to go to the Clippers, and that was always going to be the destination. He just had to wait for them to figure it out. And the way that they basically you know, said to him, hey, if you guys can make the move to get, uh, get Paul George here and give up every draft pick you have for the next 46 years, then yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come there. And I just feel like he hamstrung the other organizations. But, I mean, people have beat that to death. The Lakers, though, had to move on. They made a flurry of moves. If you didn't hear, they signed guys like Boogie Cousins. Uh, bought in Quinn Cook, Danny Green, as I mentioned, as well. Right, so this was earlier this morning. Uh, Avery Bradley, formerly of the Celtics, played with the Memphis Grizzlies a bit last year. What, what do you think that he's going to bring to the table? I like it because I think that he's a 3-and-D guy, but he'll give you 18-20. to 20, And I think the Lakers just need to find the depth right now. So I, I think it was a really good move to have
1: him. Well, it's funny. I, I actually think the Avery Bradley move was a good move. As soon as I saw the Woj bomb, I got really excited. In fact, I very excitedly texted you that the Lakers are bringing in Avery Bradley, and I thought, oh boy, this is fantastic. All the things he just said. He can fill the needs that the Lakers are looking for right now. He can hit threes, he can play defense. And then I made the mistake of going a little deeper into Twitter, and everybody doesn't seem to like this at all. He's not necessarily (laughs) a very good playmaker. He hasn't been the best uh, defensively in the last little bit, and I realized it's because... When you and I think of Avery Bradley, or at least when I think of Avery Bradley, I won't speak for you. When I think of Avery Bradley, I think of young Boston Celtic Avery Bradley. When people regarded him as one of the better two-way, three-and-D guys in the league, I seem to think the Lakers are getting the 2016 version of that. I know the Lakers are hoping they get that, but I will also say this. I would rather see, and I know I'm in the minority because everyone's calling for it, and even if he came to the Lakers, that he would have to get a buyout. It would only have to be on the minimum now. I would rather see a 28-year-old Avery Bradley play for 60 games than a 35-year-old broken-down Andre Iguodala. I know I'm going to get hammered for that. I will get crushed, and I understand it. I get it. But he's seven years younger than A. And I'd rather have 65, 70 games of Avery Bradley, whose sample size in Memphis wasn't that bad, mind you, over a guy like Iguodala, who's clearly banged up and may well just be on his last legs. So I I, kind of like the Bradley move for that reason.
0: No, I, I, Iguodala comes with more of a, Iguodala just comes w- with more of a reputation, right? I mean, if you, like, when I was watching the finals with, with the Raptors and the Warriors, don't get me wrong, Andre Iguodala, if you can find a way to get him, sure, take a flyer on the guy, it's not going to hurt at this point, yeah. right? Because We already have half the rosters ready to get their AARP cards anyways, but you can <laughs> add him to the mix, but, I mean, I agree, the way the Raptors were, were playing them, and I know he was, he was a little bit banged up, especially late in the finals, but the way the Raptors were playing him were like, dude, we're going to just hammer in on Steph and, and try and take that away and do whatever you want. Like, that dude was missing open jumpers from every point on the court, especially in that deciding uh, game six.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I, and, and again, uh, we, you know, small sample size theater and all that. I know it was only 14 games in Memphis, but I, I'm pretty sure Bradley was at something like 38, 39% from from three. Well, that's, that's not awful. I mean, if you can get that kind of clip out of him offensively and he can take the pressure off of now point guard LeBron and, and defend uh, point guards at the other end of the floor. And I know we're going to get into point guard LeBron uh, in a little bit as well. That's, that's just fine to me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to see what he has left in the tank because we've seen Andre Iguodala now go to five straight finals and we know what he has left in the tank. We know we've seen it. We know what he can bring positively, but we know what the negative side could be. Whereas every Bradley, it's like, well, you know what? We have to wait and see what this. We'll give him a year, and then maybe in a year's time we'll treat every Bradley the same way we do Rajon Rondo now. Maybe we will, but maybe we won't. And that's what the Lakers uh, front office is hoping for, and that's what I'm hoping for too. I, I, I don't mind the move. I really don't.
0: No, I, I like it. I don't, I don't know what people were expecting. I mean, they were going to have to get some bargain basement guys, and they got him. It's a two-year deal. Yeah, it's a player option for the 2020-2021 uh, season. But you look at his numbers, again, you've mentioned that he played 14 games, started all of them for the Grizzlies last year before he got hurt. Uh, ended up shooting 38% from the three-point line, which the Lakers sorely lack. 92% free-throw shooter. Lakers were a terrible free-throw shooting team last year as well. Uh, for his <laughs> career, he, he's, he's, he's 78%, so close to 80. And he was putting up 16 a game. Now, on a pretty bad Memphis team, I'll give you that. But at the same time, I, I do think he's a, he's a younger guy. Now, if they can find a way to get Iguodala, and you're going to get him on the cheap on a bet minimum... Uh, you have one roster spot left, so who knows where that's going to go to. Yeah, sure, bring him in. I, it's not it's not going to kill you. But overall, I, I think even regardless of, of this move with Bradley, I, I do think he prov- he gives something to the Lakers that the team sorely, sorely missed last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, a little shooting. Uh, you can actually send him to the line in a situation and not cringe. Uh, there's one thing I can't stand in professional basketball, and that's guys who can't shoot free throws. I mean, it, it's one thing in college when you got kids – in the tournament, missing big one and ones all the time. But once you get to the NBA, once you get to the line, just knock your free throws down. You guys are professionals. Figure it out. It's been two years now, two, three years. Every time, you know, Zoe or B.I. would go to the line, something like that, it was always 1-2 and or 0-2, something like that. I can't watch that anymore. And it's kind of sad that we've gotten to this point that we're talking about Avery Bradley as potentially a late-game free-throw shooting closer. But that's how bad they've been on the line for the last couple of years. If he could, <laughs> if he could bring him that great. If he can give a little perimeter defense, great. And if he hits a few corner threes, that's good too. For a middle level exception, that's not bad. And I know that you and I are going to be in the minority all season. We are going to stand for Avery Bradley. We are Avery Bradley stands now. This is where we are, Jazz. (laughs) This is what this season has done. This is what this offseason has done. And I'm ready for it. Bring it on. I will take him over a 35-year-old Andre Iguodala unless, unless by the time this airs, they bring him in on a veteran's minimum. I would take Iguodala over Kyle Corver believe it or not I Oh, 100% awesome.
0: yeah i mean Kyle Corver's washed too again but they need they just need some bodies some guys who can show they can play and you're not asking them to play 20 minutes a night you're asking them to play 15 one counterpoint to you though if you're talking about these guys should step up and make the free throws it's easy for us to say because we have the hands of a sixteen-year-old schoolgirl. But for you guys, <laughs> if your hands are the size of lunchboxes and the basketball is the size of a tennis ball, not exactly. <laughs> easy. It's not exactly easy to chuck it in from, from ten feet out.
1: All right, okay, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll concede. It's it's just been painful the last couple of years knowing that you know any time those guys got to the basket, it's like, well, it's it's not guaranteed, and it was never guaranteed late in ball games either. So it might be nice to have a guy who can hit eighty percent out there.
0: Well, let, let's get into one thing that, that you mentioned you, uh, that uh, Chris Haynes of Yahoo reported earlier, the Lakers intending on moving LeBron to the starting point guard position. Uh, we'll get into that right after this short break. And we are back, as I mentioned uh, just before. So Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports uh, put out a report earlier today, Lakers intending to move LeBron to the starting point guard spot. I love this move. It makes total sense to me because you have nothing behind them other than Caruso and Rondo. And even with Rondo, I still think Caruso if he plays well enough in training camp and earns it over him, should get the first look at the backup minutes because he was way better than Rondo overall. The team's defensive rating was something like 10 or 11 points better with uh, with Caruso on the floor than Rondo. He's a better three-point shooter. Uh, he's more agile and athletic now than Rondo is because Caruso's sneaky at that. So to me, if you're looking at filling out this starting lineup, this is what I would do. I would go LeBron at the one. I would start Avery Bradley, our new crushing the NBA, as if you heard us in the beginning talking <laughs> about that. Avery yeah, Bradley yeah. at the two. I was going back and forth on this. I was talking about this on Twitter earlier as well. But I, maybe I would go Danny Green starting at the three. I said Kuz earlier, but uh, the more I thought about it, the more I looked into it, i go Danny Green at the three. Obviously, then he got AD and Boogie. I'm excited about the Boogie signing. I think him and Anthony Davis had great chemistry when they were on the Pelicans. Even if you're getting 70% of what Boogie was before his Achilles injury, that's still a pretty damn good player. It's a borderline all-star. Uh, so I would go with those guys then off the bench. You have Kuz basically as your sixth man, which enables you to have at least one scorer out there at all times. You can stagger the minutes with LeBron and AD to figure out to at least have Kuzma out there. Uh, KCP, another guy they brought back. You can look at Quinn Cook, who's a pretty serviceable player. And you also have uh, Troy Daniels and, and JaVale McGee. So if you look at LeBron and, and you put him at the one How would you want to round out the starting lineup for the Lakers?
1: Well, first of all, I'll say that I I don't mind this LeBron move because LeBron's been the primary playmaker for about 92% of his career. So I really have no problem with with him in that role, just as long as he doesn't have to chase around Damian Lillard on the perimeter defensively. That's why Avery Bradley and other guys like Danny Green, that's why they're in the lineup right now. But when I look at the starting five and what it should be, yes, LeBron won. I want to start Danny Green because he has that sort of, uh, you know, championship cojones, if you will. It just makes sense for Green to start to begin the regular season. And I know a lot of this is fluid and Frank Vogel has some decisions to make. And hopefully they'll be Frank Vogel's decisions to make. We'll talk about that with Jason Kidd looming a little bit, too, I'm sure. But I would go Danny Green at the two. I'm kind of with you on coups. I was really thinking about this, and this is kind of where I'm hung up. Do you want Kuz to start to get that confidence to play with LeBron and, and AD, or do you think Kuz has the stones to, to carry a second unit? Because if you flip that and you put Kuzma on the bench with Boogie Cousins, those two as a tandem, provided that Boogie is, is fully healthy and back. We know that Boogie has the drive. We saw him play really hard in the finals, even if he was limited. If you put Kuz and Boogie on the second unit, that should be pretty effective, provided that you stagger LeBron uh, or A.D. with those minutes. But I kind of want to see Kuz start just, just to begin the season. I'm, I'm a believer in throw your five best guys out there. LeBron, so Danny Green, Kuz, A.D. And then, I mean, with JaVale, we know that if you give him 18 minutes, he's going to be really effective. If you give him 35 Eh, not so much. So I would almost lean Boogie over JaVale for now because I like JaVale kind of in that, you know, spot minutes rim protector that Frank Vogel likes. You know, Frank Vogel's evolved from his Indiana days, but I know he likes to have a rim protector back there. So JaVale can be effective there. So to clear all this up, yes, Braun, Danny Green, Coos, AD, and Boogie. I, I kind of like it. Put your five best guys out there. It's a lot of size. It's a lot of snarl. And they may get rolled defensively. Who knows? but that's why it's fluid. That's why it's fun. If they were to start right now, I'd put those five on the floor to begin. And then, yes, I think Alex Caruso, uh, I, I know I'm a three-hour flight from, from Los Angeles, but I know about Caruso Republic. I'm all in. <laughs> I think he'd be really, really good in the second unit, and I would not be surprised at all if he started at some point this season because I know that guy can play.
0: No, he can ball, and, and, and he, he's earned it, man. He's earned at least a look, and, and the way he came on late in, in the season last year, uh, he absolutely deserves, deserves a right to be there now. You were talking about uh, that lineup and, and kind of having coups. Who do you have who could score off the bench then? Because right now, you, first off, one thing you did say. I know. you hey, you're damn right. They're going to get rolled defensively with that lineup out there, right? Like, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Because um, none, yeah. none of those guys can defend. I mean, Anthony Davis is, is probably your best one at that point. So if you look at that, who do you have on the bench then? you got KCP who, if he's playing uh, hero ball like he was late in the year last year and chucking up 30 shots in order to, to score 20 points. Uh, that's not going to be very good because he couldn't do anything when the game's actually meant something back in uh, December and, and after LeBron came uh, back. Yeah. He was that's terrible. Right. Uh Rondo can't guard. <laughs> uh, he's a turnstile defensively. He's terrible. I'm sure I could beat Rajon Rondo right now off the dribble, and that's not saying much. Uh, Quinn Cook you're going to have. <laughs> who, can, who can ball? Like, none of these guys can score, and I think that was a problem that some Lakers fans had with Luke last year was that the rotations weren't set up in a way – that it was going to be affected. You'd have a huge drop-off when you went with the second unit because you put in all your aces on the first one. So I do differ with you on that. I think they have to have somebody who can come in and maybe score 15 to 16 a game off the bench, and that's where Kuz could thrive.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I kind of, I kind of agree with you there. And I do understand that a lot. And I'm bringing Kuz in off the bench because – I mean, you can stagger the minutes between Braun and AD all you want. You're going to have to have a second guy because we literally just saw, I mean, the NBA finals with the Golden State Warriors. Steph can score 47, but he's going to have four guys on him the entire time. Imagine a second unit that can't produce any offense at all. So I agree with you there. I'm just saying to start, put your five guys out there and see if those five can, can play well at the beginning of the year because you're going to need those five on the together at the end of the season. You know, I, I think you can afford to tinker a little bit in October, beginning of November even, and then once you define roles and once everybody gets comfortable, once Boogie gets comfortable, I think that's probably the biggest thing here, because we know that um, he and AD had some pretty decent chemistry when they were in New Orleans a couple of years ago. I think once that gets settled, then you can kind of figure out bench rotations. I'm with you on the Kuzma thing, but I really could go either way. I wouldn't mind seeing him in, in the uh, the starting lineup either, but... Uh, I definitely get that. You know, you can stagger the minutes between the big two all you want. You're going to need a second guy off the bench, and I'm curious who's that going to be. If it's not, not going to be Kuz, can it be Alex Caruso? It's probably a lot to ask, but it'd be kind of cool if we could find.
0: Oh no, it's okay. okay, let's be realistic. If it's Caruso coming off the bench being your scorer, you're not winning more than 35 games. So let's let's, let's talk. I love Alex, <laughs> Caruso. It's really good. but you don't want him being being your main guy coming off the bench because. <laughs> you put him up against somebody like the Clippers, you are going to bring in Lou Williams off off the bench. I mean, that's a big drop off. Uh, you did talk about Frank Vogel, and I want to get into that too. So it's been kind of a sexy offseason for the Lakers. They got Anthony Davis. They got a pretty big name in, in Boogie Cousins. Things are looking better going into this year going, compared to the last one, just in terms of talent. How does Frank Vogel fit into all this? Because he is not sexy. He wasn't a sexy name. He was basically the third, fourth, fifth choice. For, for this team to run it. You have Jason Kidd, really, who's just going to be standing right behind Frank Vogel, having his eyes on, on LeBron and trying to figure things out. That, to me, it's, that is going to be the hard part, is, is how is Frank Vogel going to adjust from being the coach he was in Indiana? He did say that he said all the right things in the press conference. Every first-time coach says all the right things in their introductory press conference. That's not get carried away. It doesn't matter if you a new coach <laughs> in Memphis, a new coach uh, taking over the D- Detroit Pistons. They're going to say all the right things. So he said he wants to focus more on, on, on you know, the offensive end and, and having a lot more movement and not playing kind of that older defensive style. Do you think he is going to be the right guy for the job? And, and if so, we've seen LeBron. This happened with David Blatt, right? He was gone. Uh, they bought in Ty Lue because things weren't going well. Is that something you could see happening with Vogel?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I could. I could see it. Because the proof is in the pudding with LeBron James. And one thing with this AD trade and having to move essentially all your assets and draft picks and this and that, the LeBron James window is exceptionally short, particularly now, given that he's 34 years old. Bron isn't messing around. This is the other edge of the sword that you view when you bring in. LeBron. Just because they're on to coach, uh, you know, after Luke, it doesn't mean that LeBron is going to be suddenly patient. You know, it just goes Sideways, he's going to start looking over. He's going to start looking over at Frank. He, he might not trust him as much anymore. Same thing with Luke. And then, yeah, you're right. You got Jason Kidd sitting right there, and it's almost like the Lakers front office, for whatever reason, kind of knows that. It's like, well, if LeBron does this again, at least we have a guy that's sitting right there <laughs> with some institutional knowledge that we can just, you know, we don't have yeah. to hire somebody you know out of the blue like like a like a Ty Lue situation. You know what I mean? Like we don't we don't have to to call some guy in. Off the street and and you know acclimate himself to a new roster. That being said, and, and you kind of took most of my answer with that press conference. At least Frank Vogel seems now seems open to playing this style because I, I gotta be honest with you. When when they hired Frank Vogel, I totally forgot about those couple of years in Orlando. Like I, I literally completely forgot about it and wiped it out of my mind. He had Aaron Gordon and a bunch of weird pieces that didn't fit. When I think of Frank Vogel. Google. I think of those Indiana teams, of course, with with Paul George and, and Roy Hibbert and Lance Stevenson and all those guys. And he played an older style and he had an older style defense as well with the rim protector. Guys like Hibbert are now extinct. But he also has the personnel with the Lakers where if he could play that way. So <laughs> it's kind of a tough spot for a El- could start, because if they don't, Frank's going to start changing things and going back to maybe what he knows which is maybe a little more old school because he's got, let's, let's be honest. This, this is a big, you know, starting lineup, five, six, seven guys. This is, this is a beefy lineup. They're not necessarily long lean athletes. This isn't, this isn't the golden state warriors. A bunch of guys who can defend five positions. You have one guy who could do that in Anthony Davis. And even then, I don't know that you want him doing that necessarily defensively. So AD might pick his spots defensively. We know LeBron is going to pick his spots defensively. Frank Vogel is going to come in and he's going to play pace and space and they're going to shoot threes and hopefully they hit a higher percentage than they did for the last couple of years but if bleep goes wrong what's Frank Vogel going to do then particularly with Jason Kidd sitting right next to him I know that Frank's going to do the right things but how long is it going to last and how long is the Jason Kidd thing really going to become a distraction that's what I want to see and I'm so excited for that
0: yeah I think it's going to become a distraction the first losing streak um, they'll, they'll get a 10 game grace period, even if they start off slow, which they, LeBron, anytime he has a new team, which is basically is, let's be honest, the whole entire roster has been turned over. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they start off slow. So he'll probably be sitting there, you know, maybe they're five and five, six and four, four and six, whatever, somewhere around there. Right. They have an average start. And then I think if you get to game 25, game 30, and you're losing four to five and then, you know, five out of seven, the pressure is going to start to be on because he's not a big name you mentioned how terrible that stint went in Orlando where it looked like he should have been coaching back in the 90s during the hand check era, uh, <laughs> running that kind of offense. And, and that's the thing to me is like a lack of creativity. But I also think you're going to see from LeBron and from Anthony Davis, they're going to they're gonna be like player coaches. They're just going to be like, all right, this is what we're going to do on the offensive end. Yeah, Frank, go ahead and tell us what we need to do on the defensive end. But offensively, he's going to have a lot more create, creative input into that, which he always has anyways, not like it's anything new with LeBron. But I think that, They're going to have to give that, he's going to have to give that leeway to his players a little bit because from what we've seen, and he could surprise me and, and, and do a really good job and have the team, you know, running like a well-oiled machine on the offensive end, but I, I'm not banking on that. I also think that it's going to take him some time. And the way you look at the way this roster is constructed, it's a two-year roster, right? All these guys they signed other than Boogie are pretty much all on, on two-year deals. And the reason why you saw that is because the free agency class going into next off season in 2020 is terrible. You have Kyle Lowry, who will be 34 years old at that time. Uh, you're not, he's not making $30 million bucks. Uh, Gordon Hayward has a player option for 31. with the way he's going. He ain't backing out of that. He's going to take that money. And DeMar DeRozan, yeah, he's a SoCal guy, L.A. guy, but you're not going to bring him in. So this is, this is, li- this is legit going to be the Lakers roster, barring some crazy moves. They don't have the draft capital anymore now after the AD trade to make moves. So it's like Frank Vogel, you got one year really to get things going and get things right. Because after that, going into a year or two, you're lame duck, man. You're
1: gone. And, I mean, uh, you know, I think continuity is what the Lakers need because you just, you just said it. I mean, that there's not a lot of draft capital there anymore. Uh, uh, you know, the free agent class of next summer isn't, isn't very good unless you're interested in Marc Gasol at 34 years old and $20 Oh, yeah, Draymond. Yeah, I, I forgot Draymond,
0: too. Of- Sorry, Draymond's a free agent,
1: that's, that's right, that's right. We, we forget about Draymond, but I mean, who knows? Who knows what kind of mind frame Draymond's going to be in? Is he going to get in killer shape because it's his contract here, and then he's going to start uh, drinking the wine and eating the chips again, as we found out in that article <laughs> right, before yeah, yeah. The, uh, right before the playoffs, when, when, he, when he cut out his vices and dropped 25 pounds? I mean, listen, we can predict right now that Draymond's going to play his way into a Supermax, particularly now because he's with Clutch Sports. So he's going to get his money, and he's going to play his way into into earning that but as far as the lakers are concerned yeah i mean all these guys uh, with the exception of a couple are on two-year deals so it would be nice if they could parlay that into some legitimate continuity a legitimate culture for the last three or four years maybe even longer than that the whole thing was stockpile assets but clear the decks sign a bunch of these guys to one-year deals constantly so we can strike it big on big stars. Well, guess what? You have two big stars right now. You got two of the top seven players in the world on your roster. It would just be really nice for a, a one or even, even one and a half year stretch just have some continuity, some type of culture plan. And I hope they give Frank Vogel a chance for that reason because I, I don't think they can afford to continue to do this year to year thing where they're flipping coaches out and players and stuff like that. They can't do that anymore. There's got to be a little continuity here, particularly if Anthony Davis is going to stay long term. They kind of have to sell him a little bit to say, hey, AD, it's not going to be like this every year. We're trying to instill something. So if they can get that going, that's a positive. And I hope they give Frank Vogel a long enough leash, even with kids staring over. Uh,
0: it'll be interesting because I, I think with the Lakers, their, their mantra has always been look, man, figure it out and win. Just bring in the guys and, and try and. and to try and get to a championship. So if Franco Bogle's not doing the job and they're, they're struggling, like I said, a game 30, 40, the noose is going to get a little bit tighter. The collars are going to get tighter as well under there. And he's going to have to, they're going to have, they, they probably will make a change. That's why they have uh, Jason Kidd here. And, and he's there for that reason. Yeah, he's the lead assistant, but he's also the insurance policy, like you mentioned, that if something goes wrong, they're going to go to the bullpen and pick him up. Let's wrap things up on this. I want to go over this with you. Rosters are pretty much all well set now. Uh, Russell Westbrook, the one domino we're waiting to see. The rumor teams in, in on him, Orlando, Detroit, and Miami, all Eastern uh, Conference-based teams, West Coast teams, pretty much all maxed out, although Houston has apparently kicked the tires a little bit on that. That'll be interesting to see. I don't think he ends up there. When you're looking at the West, as is right now, who are your top five seats?
1: Well, uh, Jeremy Grant. Uh, the Jeremy Grant deal to Denver. Uh, I, I like the Nuggets. The only reason they didn't play in a conference final is they were outplayed by uh, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, two guys who... Uh, you know, had the had the run of their life basically in the first two rounds. So I, I actually think Denver uh will be right up near the top of the conference. Maybe not the one seed, but certainly right up there. Uh two or three. I, I like the Lakers as uh, you know what? I, I, I wanna say the Lakers will be the four. Clippers will be right up there as well, but I worry with all the load management on the uh on, on, on the Kawhi and the um uh, the Paul George side of things that that might knock them down a little bit, so I don't have the Clippers winning the West. I know, I know some do, uh, but that that kind of scares me, and that's, that's kind of that's kind of what scares me about the Lakers a bit too. So I've got the Clippers at two, um, you know, yeah, Denver at one. I'll put Denver at one. I'll just I'll just say it. Denver gonna be the one seed. I'll put the Clippers at two, the Lakers at four. I'm trying to figure out a viable West. I almost want to say that the Rockets have some type of nobody-believes-in-us juju, and I know that's very Bill Simmons-esque, but I don't want to count out James Harden just yet, even if he and Chris Paul hate each other's guts. So Houston's up there as well. San Antonio, I can never count out. They could get hot and be like a seed. So, I mean, really, the Western Conference this season is going to be so deep, and the talent is so spread out. And I haven't even mentioned the Warriors yet. I mean, yeah, everyone's saying they could be a 7 or 8 seed, but D'Angelo Russell could have a great year. You know, Steph Curry can still be Steph Curry. Draymond's in a contract year. We've seen him in contract year mode. We just saw him in that mode in the playoffs about a month and a half ago against Portland. He was incredible. Who's to say we're not going to get oh, yeah. that Draymond for a couple of months? So, Golden State's right up there as well. That could be a top four seed. And then once they get Clay back, they can take off. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think those are my top five. I, I have the Lakers. I have the Clippers up there. I got Denver winning the conference. Again, in a culture, they actually have those things, the things that I've talked about. I'd like to see with the Lakers. And then after that, you know, Golden State, San Antonio. And I actually forgot about Utah. I totally forgot about Utah. Put Mike Conley oh, yeah. and, and Utah in there as well. We always forget about the Utah Jazz. That's an institutional thing. Forgetting about the Utah <laughs> Jazz. We could throw them in there as well because they made some incredible moves. Mike Conley and, and all those other guys. And to put uh, Conley with, uh, with um, uh, Donovan Mitchell. That, yeah. that could be spicy. That could be spicy. I like that. So throw Utah in there as well. That's the team I was forgetting about. Screw Houston. I'm going to throw Utah in there. And then I'll have Houston like a 4-5 seed, maybe 6, something like that. So really, the Western Conference is going to be fantastic. But I got Denver away.
0: Oh, it's, yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath. And you forgot about uh, you forgot about uh, other you know other teams that might make a jump too. Like, I, I think the Pelicans will be right up there fighting for that 8 spot. Yeah, they deep could. Enough, deep enough to do it. Sacramento is going to probably take another step forward with guys like Buddy Hield and Deere and Fox having another year of... Uh, Of uh, development, they're going to be up there. Dallas, I don't think they're very deep, but uh, Luka Doncic, uh, Chris Stapps, if he's he's up to uh, speed in terms of health wise, they could be another team making a run, uh, not at the top four or five spots, but at that eight spot. So I I, I do too. And and you hit the nail on the head with the Warriors too. Like the Warriors are the Warriors still. I'm saying, no, they're done. They're done. To me, they ain't. You still got Steph Curry, two time MVP. You still have Draymond Green, like you mentioned. He comes back in, in March, if he can get going. You don't want to play that as a 6-7 seed in the first round.
1: No, no, of course you don't. And, I mean, who knows? They could be a 7 seed. They could be they could be a 5 seed. We could get MVP stuff. It's not inconceivable. We could see that. And we could get Western Conference Finals contract year Draymond and All-Star with a chip on his shoulder, flipped out for Kyrie Irving, D'Angelo Russell. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of factors on that Golden State side that, that I like. There, That's that's a regular season big three that could get you to a top five seed. But again, Utah. We always forget about Utah, don't we? And I mean, Mike yeah. Conley with Donovan Mitchell. That's, that's easy. going to gonna forget be nasty. About as, All right,
0: it's Utah. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, we, we always forget <laughs> about Utah. Yeah. Yeah. And, really? you know, Utah Jazz Twitter is very sensitive, so they're really going to like this if they ever hear it. So there's that, too. But don't forget about Utah, Houston. eh, don't 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 quit on them yet. I mean, I, they they've had their drama, but they could still roll the ball out there and probably shoot their way to 48, 50 wins and and get in. I don't know about a top three seed, but you know, somewhere in there, they're going to be in the hunt. So really, that's what this free agency has done. It's it's taken the super team era and it's kind of leveled things out. And now it's now it's wide open. We we have we have any number of teams that could compete and and win in the west and both the la teams are going to be right up there but again with you know staggering minutes and games and things with lebron and ad and Kawhi and paul george i don't know that they'd be willing to play for a one seat but they're certainly going to be up there in the top four and i'm very excited for the battle of i yeah,
0: i i'm like uh bart scott in that one uh, interview post game after they beat the patriots right can't wait that's all i can't wait i can't wait can't, for the nba season to come can't wait um you know <laughs> it's gonna be a
1: bomb
0: man. oh man it's it's gonna be it, it it is going to be to me the best regular season in nba history and i'm just looking at the western conference and i'm saying that from the fact that this year you know the dubs were the were the top seed they won 57 games i personally don't think the teams are going to get that close to that i think there's they're they're so evenly matched home court advantage is going to play a big deal obviously you're going to have the, the teams yeah the nba does less of it playing the back-to-backs but you know, the road trips and, and and you know, being weary and, and, and tired and fatigued. And now you have the load management aspect. I think you're going to see the one seed in the West at about 52, 53 wins. And then you're going to see just a glut of teams filled in after that from about two to five, two to six that are going to be separated by, you know, this year from uh, from the eight seed to the one seed, the Clippers and Golden State only separated by, by nine games, which is not too much in the bigger scheme of things. But if you look at maybe that two to six, two to seven, I think it'll be a difference of, of three or four games. So it, it's going to be insane.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. It's going to be just like the way it was uh, this past season. it's like, well, you know, if the Blazers had two more wins, they'd, they'd be the one seed. Instead, they're the six. And, and I think that's what made the regular season so exciting, even if we kind of knew, you know, what was going to play out in the postseason and who was going to emerge out of the West. The added bonus this year now, though, we don't really know what's going to happen in the playoffs either. So we can really, really enjoy the entire season. We always enjoy the journey in the NBA. We always do. Except now there's no real certainty at the end of all this and we can appreciate it as one. I'm excited. You're excited. It's going to be great. And again, like we said, we're only talking about the Western conference. We haven't even gotten into the East yet. Yeah.
0: East East is all Philly and Milwaukee. And then the rest of them will figure it out. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just more excited for the West, but uh, you know what, man, it's always fun talking hoops with you. I know you're a diehard Lakers fan. So uh, it's always good to get your perspective on things.
1: Always a ball, buddy. I, I can't wait to uh, come back and, and, and do this again.
0: All right, that's Marcus Fitzgerald of Sportsnet 650. You can catch him on Twitter at Marcus Fitzy. And don't forget to check us out as well at Lakers SBN and go to silverscreenandroll.com. We have you covered for everything Lakers. It's been a madhouse over there with Harrison, pardon me, Christian, Anthony, and the entire crew. Have been working nonstop as we've really been in the first maybe two weeks Well, so the tampering period starts pretty much all during the season. But we'll say officially it's only been about a week, week and a half since the NBA offseason Uh, got started. Also, don't forget to to subscribe to our podcast network. We have shows coming out Monday through Friday. Uh, Tomorrow coming up, you'll have the Alex's. They'll break things down as well. And who knows, maybe some more news will drop by the time uh, you listen to this podcast. Again, recording this on a Monday night. uh, To give you a quick recap of the day so far, Lakers ended up adding Avery Bradley. Two-year deal, player option for the second one. And the other news, Chris Haynes saying LeBron probably going to take over the point guard duty. So it'll be interesting to see how Frank Vogel ends up figuring out how to set up this roster for success. That does it for this episode. I'll talk to you all next time.